Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. 42 minutes to uh, 2 o'clock and uh, this is Life Happens. Thanks very much uh, for staying with us. My name is Pimelo Mutine. Now, you saw the raids um, and the, the, there was a lot of uh, reaction when the raids happened in downtown Johannesburg. Uh, raids were happening in uh, eventually at China Mall and so on. And this is on the back of the president also committing to saying that he wants to clamp down on fake goods, on the trade of fake goods. And the big question I have was that what do we mean by trading in fake goods? How do we define fake goods? So the superficial meaning, people, you and I, uh, assume that fake goods are where you have a big brand and, uh, you know, you kind of buy this big brand, uh, let's say, I don't know, Nike, whatever, right? You buy this big name on the street and it actually isn't the original one. It is the fake of that. But it is actually far more complex than that. And the assumption is that it's always something that has come through the borders and so on and so on. I wanted to have an in-depth conversation about how do we know what fake is and the perception that we have of fake is not the entire definition of what is a counterfeit good. So I've invited two guests to join me in this conversation. Tezi Mabuza, Deputy Commissioner for the National Consumer Commission, who joins us now on the line, as well as Paul Marama, um, Ramara, uh, attorney specializing in litigation, in particular trademark litigation and anti-counterfeiting. And he's also a partner at Spur and Fisher. Gentlemen, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, Tezi, let me just start with you. Um, in, in terms of the National Consumer Commission, how do you define counterfeit goods? Yes, uh, for us, Pimela, we have um, two ways of actually looking at this. First of all, you will be talking of uh, grey goods. Grey goods would be goods that were intended for another market mm-hmm. and then they end up in South Africa. And this way, it could be that when I go in, maybe go to another country and buy 50 handbags mm-hmm. and the manufacturer of that handbag or maybe the manufacturer of that good did not give me permission to come in and retail them into South Africa. So that would mean that they will never have the warranty in relation to the manufacturer's warranty. But the other one is where in now you'd find that in the very same token is that those goods would be offending in the issue of the labeling when it comes to issues of the language Mm -hmm. and also what we expect as labeling in terms of the ingredients and country of origin Mm -hmm. and actually also, what we will be looking at as well is whether the person that uh, has uh, imported them as well, they would, especially if they, it will be food, that they have actually been okayed by our Department of Health and the Department of Agriculture. And that would be defined as grey goods or not grey goods? For us now, they will be defined as offending goods in terms of labelling. Mm-hmm. So we have two goods in terms of the CPA, it's your grey good, yeah. wherein the manufacturer yes. of that good would not warranty, yeah. but those ones that are also offending in terms of labeling, wherein now when they come into the country, mm-hmm. they would not have been allowed in terms of being marketed into the country by either the Department of Health and mm-hmm. Agriculture, or they don't also meet the requirements in terms of the labeling by the CPA in terms of your country of origin, their ingredients, and the care and labeling when it comes to your textiles and leather goods. 
Okay. Now, that deals with goods coming into the country. What we're also not discussing is I decide to set up a factory somewhere in Mahulereng, in the back corner somewhere, where I don't label it at all. Nobody quite knows what happens between these walls. And I produce something. Whether this is going to be a tablet, whether this is going to be medicine, whether this is going to be clothes, maybe replicating something that is on the proper market anyway, but it happens internally. How do we classify that? Yes, that one as well now, it will still be talking, it won't be great good. Mm. For us as the commission, it will be offending mm. in terms of now the standard. Remember when it has to be food, it has to be now fit for human consumption in terms of the test and all that. It's where in now the Department of uh, Health comes in and, and also now our act in terms of now the CPA, it will be the labeling requirement is that that labeling you have to make sure that you comply with the Department of Agriculture and the Department of Health if it's good, but then if, if it's food, but if it's any other component, then it will be with, especially if it's food, it will be with the Department of Agriculture, but also there will be other standards, especially electrical components, wherein it will be the national regulator for compulsory specifications. So all those labels put together by all the other regulations is that they have to comply with them so that from our act, in terms of the CPA, then they should be okay in terms of all those uh, standards. Paul, Paul, bear with me. I am still coming back to you. Tessie, now yeah. it's, it's very simple to assess these at customs. So it's a very simple process when, when this kind of thing comes in and you've labeled it X and when you open the packaging, it's not quite X, it's Y. It's very easy to prosecute and so on. In the black market, it's not that straightforward. Do we have capacity to manage these regulations that we have in place? In the country, we do not. Sometimes we act on our tip-offs and also as well, we will be acting on especially your brand owners. If maybe it's a parallel uh, production wherein the brand owners will pick that up. But from our side, in terms of the Consumer Protection Act, we do not even have the uh, the authority or the mandate mm. to even remove them mm. from the market. So if it's food, we will be working with the Department of Environmental Health. And then if it, it, fits, it still fits in with the compulsory specifications, is then that now we need the national regulator for compulsory specifications to come in and remove them from the market. Mm. So that is the issue. We only deal with fines, but not with the removal of the goods from the market. Paul, this is where we need you in. So if, if a pharmacy has stocked, let's say it's ARVs, and in the combination of these ARVs, remember sometimes I go to the pharmacy, I then stay at the over the counter and I say, I am here and I want this number of tablets, right? And they don't necessarily always give me in the packaging. The guy can decant it into what we sometimes see as a transparent plastic container, right? And he could mix in there legitimate and non-legitimate products. How would anybody then have a clue that that's what's happening? And how do I, as an individual, get protected if, number one, the National Consumer Commission says we cannot remove the stuff, we can only inform you, and actually the person selling the stuff on is, is so devious that they're able to mask it with the real stuff? Yep. 
So I, I think first of all, we, we need to go back to the definition. My colleague here spoke about parallel yep. uh, imports and issues to deal with regulatory issues. Mm. But when we talk about counterfeit goods, yeah. we, we merely talk about goods that bear a trademark of another person mm. uh, that has been applied to goods without his consent. Mm-hmm. Okay? And now, these are counterfeit goods which the trademark proprietor or the owner of the trademark did not sanction their production. In yeah. other words, they do not come from him. Yes. So that is at the heart of counterfeit good, uh, goods. Okay. Now, when we talk about parallel imports or great goods, mm. these are original goods. So let's, let's think this, distinguish these two. These are original goods Got you. just coming into the country via an authorized market. So so, so now, maybe what, what you're saying is, is these may be original goods, but there is something about this person bringing them in that maybe wanted to dodge custom uh, tr- uh, customs and tax uh, and all of those kind of implications. So this is somebody who well, just maybe didn't want to pay taxes. No, no, no. So, so in a country like South Africa, a brand holder perhaps sitting overseas may choose to have company XY yeah. as its distributor here. Yes. And uh, the distributor may be selling those goods at a particular price. Mm-hmm. Now, X being the name of another person yes. may choose to go to America to source these goods at a cheaper price gotcha. and bring them to South Africa in competition with the guy that's selling the goods ah, in South Africa. I hear you. So that is really what is at, at the heart. So there's nothing wrong with those goods. The original goods just coming to South Africa through unauthorized markets. Okay. Uh, when we, yeah, so, so, so that's really the, the, the problem. All right. But counterfeit goods, these are what we call illicit goods mm-hmm. or phone calls. Mm. Uh, goods that have been manufactured elsewhere, mm. where the counterfeiter applies to them a trademark to deceive the consumer that they in fact come from the mm. the, the right holder, mm. uh, which is incorrect. Mm-hmm. Now, if we now have that basis, uh, I would say in South Africa, the 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 pharmaceutical industry is a little bit protected okay. uh, in some ways. Because if you go to a pharmacy and you want to buy uh, 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 medicine, uh, you would have a prescription from a doctor and uh, you will then get the medicine. Mm-hmm. Now, if there's something wrong with the medicine, obviously I think it will, it will lead to uh, uh, quite uh, undesirable consequences and you can then trace it back to the guy that dispenses the medicine to you. In that way, you can deal with that issue in that fashion. But uh, counterfeiters do not like to work in a system where they can be tracked. Uh, a lot of problems that we've had with pharmaceuticals, maybe with Viagra, where which mm-hmm. are dispensed in uh, unauthorized places. Mm-hmm. But in that way, the consumer already knows that if you can buy a Viagra medicine mm-hmm. from someone who's not even a pharmacist. Street corner. That it's, it's, it's counterfeit. All right, let's continue this conversation as we unpack what counterfeit goods definition is. And another term, grey goods, has been introduced to this conversation. And really, 
at the heart of all of this is we are dealing with a phenomena that is at the center of this economy suffering in many, many ways. And besides that, also the protection of you and me as a consumer. How do you and I navigate ourselves in an economy that is packed with counterfeit goods? That's a conversation we're having. We'll have it all the way until 2 o'clock. SAFM 104 to 107 Nationwide. So we're having a conversation around counterfeit goods. This is on the back of uh, the president uh, saying that there needs to be a clampdown on counterfeit goods and uh, this country will thrive if we were to eradicate counterfeit goods. Whether that's possible or not, that's the uh, the signs that the experts will have to help us on. But I am in conversation with Tezi Mabuza, who's a deputy commissioner for the National Consumer Commission. I'm also in conversation with Paul Ramara, who is attorney specializing in litigation, in particular trademark litigation and anti-counterfeit and he's also a partner at Spur and Fisher. Tizzy, let me get back to you and say, while we as consumers can make it our business to to deal, you know, tip-offs and so on uh, with regards to offending goods, we've now classified the two different um, uh, terms. When it comes to grey goods, I suppose that really solely uh, lays at the hands of the authorities, correct? Um. For us, really, it, it, it is indeed, but then we only pick that up when there is a product recall, when something goes wrong in the market and then you are looking for correction mm-hmm. in relation where did the consumer buy the goods. Let's say you buy an, uh, a TV yeah. and then it explodes. Ah. And then we want to trace it back to the um, retailer and then back to the distributor and the manufacturer. And then you realize that the manufacturer actually was not aware that the good is also sold in South Africa. So that's where it becomes an issue. And I think the president was right there because now in relation to the cost to South Africa, if something like that happens, a person gets hurt or maybe there's uh, in terms of disposal in the in, in, in disposal of those goods and things go wrong. The state has to carry that responsibility because the manufacturer would never be hurt into account. It sounds to me, Tezi, that we are reactionary to most of the stuff. Yes, for most of them, uh, especially when it comes to issues of your grey goods and issues of labelling, we find ourselves being reactionary because we only pick that up when you do your inspections. And we cannot do inspections throughout the country. We will normally rely on our plates when we go into blitz with maybe a number of us coming in. Like in the DTI, we'll take a number of us like the regulator for compulsory specifications and then we'll also sometimes take in customs and the Department of Health and all, all that. We go as a team and then it's then that we can unearth all of this because it's a number of violations in relation to all of our acts. Hmm. Paul, help me with, with the litigation. So if if you find a hawker who is selling at a street corner and is selling counterfeit goods in, as per your definition, right? As the owner of the brand, going after the guy at the corner is not going to eradicate the problem, correct? Indeed. Uh, going after the small guy at the corner does not really help. Although, if you conduct a raid against the small guy, you can uh, know from that small guy who the seller or the source of the counterfeit goods is. So the small guy can tell you he bought this good from so-and-so, and then you can conduct investigation against that uh, person 
And using that, you can track it back right uh, through to the import of the offending goods. So it does help. But of course, you know, in the greater scheme of things, you'd want to uh, conduct a rate against the real source of the uh, counterfeit goods. How? Given the nature of counterfeiting, <laughs> such a clandestine activity yes. that information is not going to be readily given to you. Correct. You need to work hard in terms of tracing the source of the counterfeiting. Yeah. And in fact, what I was going to ask you is that how complicated does it become if it's something obviously, often it is, something that has been produced or, you know, outside the borders of, of your jurisdiction? Yeah. Have I lost you, Paul? All right, Paul Ramara there, uh, who is attorney specializing in litigation and in particular trademark litigation. We're going to try and see if we can get back, but we are running out of time, so I'm a bit worried about that. Shazie, let me come back to you with regards to, you know, where we sit. How do we as consumers assist you? You know, you've you've told us about the, litig- uh, the, the, the limitations that you have as a National Consumer Commission. We also know about the fact that so much relies on so many other uh, stakeholders and and you know ultimately as consumers we may blow the whistle as much as we can but if if ultimately nobody's taking full responsibility we may as well you know be throwing our hands in the air yes um Pinello, for us as well as consumers as that of south africans what is important is that label that you see out you know whenever you you talk of the country of origin mm. you know and we're talking proudly south african and all that is that if we can start educating ourselves and say if i pick up a commodity mm-hmm. and then i invest in it i buy in it irrespective of the price is that if i continuously buy the same product that is made in south africa what will be the ripple effect mm-hmm. thereof? Because the more the issue of the demand and supply, the more we demand a particular product, the more we make of it, and the more actually we lower down the prices because we'll be producing in bulk. Mm-hmm. So start by South Africans should start helping us by understanding South African brands and all that. And if you feel that there is something that is wrong about the brand, the quality and all that, let us start making noise. Because if you start making noise, you might not be heard or you might feel that you are not being heard. But if you get three of us making noise, somebody who will listen and say, hey, Somebody complained about this particular commodity to say that it's not living up to the expectation. If I have another complaint in the Popo and I have another one in, in Cape Town, surely these people might not have spoken. There is something wrong that forces us as a regulator to really delve deeper into the uh, the product itself and start understanding what is wrong with the product, why, where was it manufactured, and who is the responsible person. Paul, you are still responding to jurisdiction. Just uh, quickly for us, explain to us the complications of, you know, prosecuting somebody who's in another country, for instance. Oh, yeah. yeah. So uh, what I was saying is uh, essentially we have, uh, just in terms of fighting counterfeiting, we've yeah. got three government agencies that are the fight against counterfeiting. And you have uh, Customs, which is a division of SARS, who focuses on all goods coming into the country. You've got uh, the South African Police Service, as well as uh, the inspectors, uh, which we appointed so from the Department of Trade and Industry. Now, most of the time, we focus on uh, goods that are coming into the country. Because if we can stop a container from coming into the market, would have done a good job. 
but it's not possible for customs to stop all the consignments. Uh, and for that reason, some consignments make their way through to the market, and we use the Department of Trade and Industry inspectors as well as the South African police service in conducting uh, rates in the open market. I really want to say, yes. yeah, <laughs> I'm so sorry, Paul. I have run out of time. It's almost news time, Paul oh. Ramara. Uh, attorney, we'll have to pick it up another time. Attorney specializing in litigation, in particular trademark litigation and anti-counterfeiting. This is all a partner at Spur and Fisher and also had uh, Tezi Mabuza, Deputy Commissioner for the National Consumer Commission. And uh, as we try and impact what counterfeit goods are and how you and I can assist in the fight against counterfeit goods in the country. It's two o'clock. Let's go to Uzi Lesa for the news.